now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. Had a bit of a week off, but we're back. Yeah, we have had a bit of time apart, haven't we? Well, actually, all that, two weeks off. Yeah, that's right, long weekend, all that, but there, we're back, ready to talk about plants again. What do you got for us today, Scott? I thought we'd talk about sapium. It is a deciduous tree that you're probably noticing at the moment. There's another little plant out there called Ardesia, and, of course, the orange trumpet vine, looking fantastic at the moment. Uh, the old orange trumpet, everyone's favourite. We always play that bugle. And we've got Gary from Adamstown. Need some advice about moving roses. Hey, Gary, how are you going? Good, thank you, Scott, thank you. How can we help, mate? Uh, we've got some roses to be uh, potted re- out of the garden, taken with us uh, to our new house. Mm-hmm. There's those um, snowbergs, is it? Snowberg roses, the long, thin ones, oh, white on top. Iceberg roses, iceberg. iceberg. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there any trick in doing them? And what time of year do you prune them before you move them and things like that? Yeah, look, it's it's the perfect time. You where where are you off to? You moving from Adamstown to? Uh, knock down and rebuilding and putting them back in the ground. <laughs> uh, good idea. That seems to be the way to go now. Um, yeah. yeah, look, uh, you can certainly move those at this time of year. It is the, the perfect time to do it. So what you do is give them a, a prune back, try and reduce some of that uh, you know foliage on the top there because uh, that reduces the amount of moisture and nutrients that have to be drawn up from the soil through the root system. So if you're going to mm-hmm. you know, prune down or cut the root system by digging it out, then you have to take out a similar amount from the top of the plant. Um, yeah, so look, go ahead and do that. You can, you know, prune them back quite hard if you want to, probably a third or half of the uh, the head of the plant back. And then uh, okay. dig the plant out of the ground, taking as much soil as you possibly can, although they must be almost as dormant-ish as they can be at the moment, although icebergs don't, they just seem to keep on going. Uh, and then get as big a pot as possible, some nice fresh potty mix, and uh, pot it in there and just start watering them. Okay, that's what I want to hear. Thank okay. you very much. But, mate, look, no fertiliser or anything like that uh, because what's happening is that rose, you're putting it, you're pruning it back, putting it in the soil, fine hair roots will start to grow out again and they will get burnt back very easily. So definitely no fertilising. Just keep them in the pots and water them uh, and maybe in about uh, three or four months' time then give them a slow-release fertiliser. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your help. Okay, good luck with the knockdown and the rebuild, Gary. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, Bye. cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Gary. Scott, you mentioned at the top, was it Sidiums? Yeah, Sapiums. Sapiums. Yes, yeah, Sapiums sabiferum. What am I thinking of? Sidiums? I don't know. The, the capital, our, like, Sid, Sydenham? Sydenham? Sydenham in Sydney? <laughs> anyway. No, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, look, it's a beautiful plant that is out at the moment. It's a deciduous tree, and I reckon it's about the only deciduous tree that gets any real colour here in Newcastle. Oh, right. Yeah. So why, look, why is that? Well, I, I don't know why exactly, but a lot of other deciduous trees, liquid ambers, uh, plane trees, uh, if you go elsewhere, you know, Canberra, Mudgee, where I was the other weekend, yep. uh, you see them actually get a lot of colour before they drop their leaves. Here in Newcastle, uh, a lot of deciduous trees just seem to go, bam, drop their leaves, you know, no colour, they just that's go it. brown and that's it, and they're on the ground and making a huge mess. Actually, I was over near Katara over the weekend and there was this, uh, like, a blanket of leaves from this huge uh, London plane tree that just covered this car, covered the footpath. It was quite amazing <laughs> how much was there. Someone's going to have to go out and buy an extra big rake for that. But sapiums seem to be a plant here in Newcastle that do get the beautiful orange and yellow hues about them. Okay, excellent. So yeah. Nice to see a bit of colour out there. Yeah, it is. Look, the other great thing about them is they aren't an enormous tree, although they can get to about eight metres tall. Uh, so they're very quick growing as well 
uh, that eight metres is probably up to about the telegraph, you know, the power lines. Okay. That's my way of thinking about it. And it's quite tall. It, well, I, I guess it is, but it's not enormous, enormous. It's not like 30 metres high. It's not gum tree tall. Yeah, it's not gum tree or it's not London plane tree tall. Uh, you do get the beautiful colours on them, a really nice sort of round uh, shape to them. Now, the only trouble with sapiums, and you have to be careful about this, is planting them anywhere near a path or paving, um, because what I've noticed over time is that as the root system gets larger, it sort of builds up this mound around the trunk of the tree, and those roots, as they move out, start to you know dislodge paths and, and pavers and things. So if you're going to plant one, make sure there's plenty of space around it. Of course, make sure it's not near the gutters of your house because it's going to drop its leaves and make a mess in there. But otherwise, a really great quick-growing uh, deciduous tree to have here in Newcastle where you want some colour, and a lot of the other ones don't really colour up as well. Excellent. Sounds like a lovely tree to sit under. It, 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 you know, it is a lovely tree. It'd be a really nice tree to have a little park bench or, or something and sit there and read the newspaper with the sunlight. Excellent. Keeping you warm. Oh, I can picture it now. And a blanket on your knee. <laughs> Wearing a little beanie as well. Uh, or down around your ears. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 and FM. We've got Maxine from Singleton, and she's got a question about the mandarin tree. Oh, Maxine, how can we help? Um, I've got a mandarin tree. It's got beautiful mandarins on it. Yes. Uh, but I want to find out when we've finished picking them, uh, when's the best, best time to cut it back? Yeah, so the best time to cut your mandarin tree back is after it's finished fruiting. Uh, so you should be able to be picking them, I guess, at the moment. It's mandarin season. Uh, yep. Uh, certainly and some see- good frost. Yeah, and that's going to make them nice and sweet and juicy for you. Uh, yep. So that's it is the time to pick them. You know, you see them going green, and then they go that nice, you know, darker orange colour. Pick them off. They're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> make sure that uh, the great thing about mandarin is you don't really get fruit fly uh, with mandarins because it seems to be the wrong time of year. It's cold, so then it's not such a big problem. But still, uh, make sure you pick up any fruit that might have dropped on the ground and uh, get rid of it in the garbage bin, uh, and then. I've- Look, once it's finished fruiting, uh, then you can give it a cutback. I would probably wait until about mid-August and then go for it, give it a nice prune back. And that actually improves the fruiting for next year because you get the fruit and flowers on the new growth. So do uh, that. How far back should I cut it? Oh, you could take a, a third, depending how big the plant is. Uh, you could take a third of the plant off if you wanted to or just even a light shaving until you're getting it up to the height you need. And you probably don't need it, uh, you know, much taller than, uh, you know, two metres, two and a half metres. All right, Because yeah. you need to be able to reach that fruit. So I'd always be trying to keep it at about that height. Uh, yeah, it's, one- a fairly, uh, it's not a real big tall tree. Okay. And once you've given it that prune back, uh, then give it some fertiliser. They love poultry manure, so definitely give it uh, a fair bit of poultry manure around the drip line of the tree and water it in. Right. And the next question, yes. mandarin tree, is how do you pick them off without getting uh, them pulling off the skin at the top? Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, look, if you want to, you can just go around with some uh, sort of sharp needle-nosed secateurs and give them a snip off. Um, but usually once they're ripe and you get hold of it and actually hold that little stem as well in your fingers, you'll find that it should be ready to break off at that time. But if it's not, have those needle-nosed secateurs in, the, in your pocket, in your holster, uh, ready to, to get out and give them a prune back. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's all right. Thanks for that, Maxine. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks, Maxine. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. We've got Bruce from Elibana. 
And he's got a comment about Chinese tallow. Hey, Bruce, what do you got for us? G'day, Scott. I've got two of them, um, and um, they'd be, I don't know, probably 30 years old. Yeah. Um, they've got a trunk you couldn't put your arms around, mm-hmm. um, and they'd be well and truly over the eight-metre mark. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say, you were dead right about the root systems. Yes. Um, one of those tallows is probably three to four metres away from my driveway, and it's already lifted uh, one section of the driveway, probably oh, a good inch. Yeah, and look, I've seen them. You've got old trees, but I've seen even like very young trees, probably five, eight years old, already starting to do that sort of damage. So, yeah, again, they are a plant that needs to be planted, uh, you know, well away quite, from buildings. Yeah. Or, yeah. Quite a, quite a distance away. Uh, look, when I say quite a distance, probably you know ten meters or so away. I, you know, I think that would do the trick. It's just when you, you know, people put them, you know, quite close to like a driveway, you know, within three meters or so, you start to get that mounding around the trunk, and it does start to do that damage. Yeah, well, the roots also uh, traverse the lawn. I've top dressed it um, about four times to try and cover the roots, but yes. they keep coming to the surface, so I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other tree, the other tree that colours really well, <coughs> pardon me, um, here in Alibana anyway, is a Nissa. We have three Nissa trees. Oh yes, yes, yeah. And look, there's other sort of uh, you know ornamental pears as well um, yep. that, that colour up quite nicely here in Newcastle. Um, they're you know sometimes a little bit smaller, but uh, yeah, look, certainly the liquid ambers and the uh, and the London plane trees just don't seem to do it here in Newcastle. No, no. Well, the Nissa, in the summertime, they're a fantastic shade tree. Uh, very dense shade. Um, if you want somewhere cool to go and sit in the shade, fantastic. They colour well, um, but fairly slow growing too, so, yeah. 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 Okay, well, okay, th- we really appreciate that. Thanks for those comments, Bruce. You're very welcome, okay. and you have a lovely day. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers, thanks, Bruce. We've got Helen now from Lambton. She's got a question about the lemon tree. Hello, Helen. How can we help? Oh, hello, Scott. Um, yes, I've got a Eureka um, lemon tree, and yes. I had a good harvest from it last year, plentiful fruit, and then this year they just look a bit sad, and I've um, sprayed it with a bit of pest oil, and they've come a bit all right, but the fruits are sort of deformed-looking and curly and a little bit green and not, like, you know, growing as they should, you know, nice and um, yellow. And then I gave it a bit of dynamic lifter. Yes. Um, but I was just wondering, was, was there anything else I could put? I mean, they've come a little bit better colouring, but then I thought, do I give it another spray of pest oil or is there another sort of cure I could do? Yeah, look, the only reason you'd be paying for praying... <laughs> Spraying with pest oil. Uh, we're not praying for your tree yet. It sounds like it's uh, in oh, sorry, still quite sorry, in good sorry, health. White, <laughs> so, sorry, um, Scott, white oil, I meant. Uh, okay, white, yeah, oil. Yeah, white oil and pest oil do a similar thing. The only reason you use that is a, is a preventative or to try and get rid of scale insects uh, on the tree. Uh, sometimes you can use it to keep citrus leaf miner under, uh, you know, at bay, but that's yeah. not a problem at this time of year. Um, so, look, uh, certainly keep on using it as a preventative. Don't be concerned about doing that. It's not harming the tree or harming the fruit in any way. Um, it's not even uh, really harming bees or any other, you know, insects. It's only those little sap-sucking insects that it's uh, that keeping under control. Uh, I think you probably identified it that uh, you just need to keep on, uh, you know, regularly feeding your citrus tree. They are quite heavy feeders and Mm. you need to feed them about three to four times a year. Uh, usually uh, after they're finished fruiting, I would give them a, a really good dose of poultry manure. And then the other times of the year, 
use a product like Dynamic Lifter or there's a very good one called Sudden Impact, which is actually for roses but works equally well on citrus trees. Uh, so I, I think it's maybe just that, that feeding regime you need to keep up. Uh, otherwise, you can start adding trace elements to the soil. But if you're doing a regular feed of an all-round fertiliser, uh, then you shouldn't have to do that. It should uh, build up in the soil over time and uh, help the plant out. Oh, well, that's good. What about um, bone, um, you know, bone marrow is it or what do you call it yeah blood and bone that's also a really good safe fertilizer you can use that on natives and you can use it in pots Uh, so look blood and bone is an excellent fertilizer Uh, don't mound that up i find if you mound it up it sort of goes a bit crusty and hard and it doesn't actually break down too well so if you are going to use blood and bone uh, just make sure you sort of mist it i guess over the soil just a very fine powder uh, but I, I think you're best to be using your poultry manure and then the sudden impact or, you know, dynamic lifter, one of those poultry-based, um, you know, slow-release fertilisers. And just do the white oil on the um, leaves to stop the scale. That's, nothing else you put on that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the other thing you can get with citrus is you can get fungal disease travelling down through the flower uh, and like a melanose, you start getting that brown yes. look, look to yes. the citrus. It doesn't actually affect the taste of it. It just affects the appearance. So it might be that you need to, if you've got that, to get a fungicide and give it a general spray as well. Fungicide, Okay. Yeah. All right, that, thanks, that sounds good. All right, I'll do that. Thank okay. you, Scott. Thanks for that, Helen. Okay. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. bye It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you RFM, and we've got Robert from Kari Kari, and he's got a question about treating lawn grubs and lace bugs on his azaleas. Hey, Hi. Robert, how can we help? Oh, good afternoon, Scott. Look, I've, I've, twice now I've been caught out with lawn grub feeding my grass. I go out and it's dead. Yes. And I've just had the season for it so I can treat it before it does the damage or just tell me how to treat it, please. Yeah, look, I, it, I'm a bit um, uh, perplexed about lawn grub at the moment and because my old mum, Jude, and I know she's getting a bit doddery, but she said to me the other day, my lawn is getting eaten away by lawn grub and I went, ha, 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 yes, sure thing it is. Um, it's too late for that. You're just you're making it up. You're, you're imagining this in your old age. But then I saw her lawn, and it actually is getting eaten away by lawn grub. So I can't quite work that out at the moment that it's still around because it's far too cold for it now. And I'm hoping that the cold snap we've just had yesterday is going to get rid of them completely. But the but best. No, my problem is it's starting to grow again. It looks good yeah, now. Yeah. But I miss out. You're worried about when, when we, done. yeah, when yeah. we get around to February again. Well, look, yeah, the, oh, February, yeah the best thing to do is mark on your calendar, you know, first of February, and go out then and get some of the lawn grub killer and just water it through the lawn then as a preventative, because the little guys will be down there getting ready to go. Uh, if they've been, the eggs are still in there. The other thing is to do is to watch out for the white moth that starts to come around. Uh, and you can certainly oh, right. see those. But generally, it's going to be in February, March, when we get to those hot, humid months. That's when the uh, the moth and the grub really loves to take over. All right. I think they're the dirty little white gr- uh, moth. Yes, they are. They just You just see them yeah. fluttering around the surface of, yes, the, of yes. the lawn. And then when you, the other thing you can uh, catch out the lawn grub on, if you go out there in the morning, you might see... Uh, like a little spidery little caterpillars, you know, thread all over it. Right. And that's the lawn okay. grub as well. But, uh, look, I, I think the best thing is just to set the uh, the calendar for the 1st of February and start right. uh, treating preventatively, preventatively at that time. I don't. Well, I'll do that. Okay. Now, the, the other one is that I've got a few potted azaleas mm-hmm. 
And this season, the, the most beautiful one has been terribly attacked by... Is it the lace bug or lace something? Yes, they, look, they but get... They get red spider mite and they also get lace oh. bug on them. Um, so right. yeah, they're quite uh, damaging, I guess, those two insects. When you see that greyness all over the azalea leaf, that's the yes. uh, red spider mite doing that. Oh, right. Um, well, the treatment, please. Yes, yeah, so it's one of those things, once you see the new growth coming on, uh, and that, that that sort of humid time of the year, you have to get out there and start treating them to keep them under control. Uh, look, that is a bit of a difficult one. You need to get some sort of miticide. If you want something that's just going to work as a preventative, eco oil will work as a miticide. Because right. you don't really want to be sort of spraying Confidor around willy-nilly unless you can actually see... Um, but you the, can't buy Confidor now. Yeah, so, so look, some, some places... Yeah, some places still might have it. And the other thing was, uh, you know, it used to be the old Roger as well, which was quite a harsh yeah. chemical to use. You can't really buy that anymore either. No. Um, so I would be uh, getting some sort of miticide if you can uh, or no. eco oil, which I think is probably the safest way for you to go. And that forms a protective coating on the leaf of the plant that the mites aren't yeah, able right. to get through. And what was the name of that again, please? Yeah, that's called eco oil, E-C-O. Oh, eco oil, yes, yes, yes I yeah. know that one. And apparently you can get Confidor in tablets. Uh, yes. I, I, don't, I don't know where they are. I can't seem to locate anyone that's got any. Yeah, look, it used to be you could get uh, Confidor in tablets. I'm not sure about the availability of them at the moment. Uh, but look, well, they, even though you would, um, they would still be actually in the... Uh, in the plant because it's a systemic uh, type of chemical. So even That's if right. the bees were going along and having, you know, getting the pollen out, they'd still be picking that up, you know, traces oh. of that back through the uh, through the plant as it soaks up through oh. the root system. Right, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Well, I'll follow your orders and see how it goes for next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, they're not strict orders, but uh, best to give it a go well, and well, try and keep it under control. Nothing, isn't it? it certainly is. <laughs> right, I appreciate you. Thank okay. Not a problem, Robert. Thanks for that. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Robert. We've got another Robert now from Mulberry, and he's got a question about the Mandarin tree. You know, I, I love the name trifectas. Once we get there, we've got the daily double at the moment. But fingers crossed, we can get another Robert after this. After this, that's all we need. How can we help you, Robert from Mulberry? Yeah, Scott. I've got a Mandarin tree. It's an established tree, probably six or seven year old, and um, this year it had a bumper crop on it. Um, as soon as they started to get colour in them, I noticed a couple started to fall and I thought, oh, well, it's it's just um, too much fruit on it. But all of a sudden, they just all started falling. I virtually lost the whole crop, you know, and I, there would have been 300, 400 mandarins on it. It was absolutely mm-hmm. loaded. Um, I, you know, I fed it well with chook manure. Mm-hmm. It's had a heap of um, deep root soakings and and everything but um this year it's just yeah there's hardly a piece of fruit left on it i was just wondering if you had any ideas yeah that 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 sounds unusual i'm just wondering if it if it um, even though you've been watering sometimes it's just not enough when it's very very dry and the the plant's stressed for some reason the first thing it's going to drop is its fruit uh, look, if, even if you've got some sort of fungal disease down through the blossom, uh, you know, down through the flower into the fruit, they don't usually just drop off like that. And you see, um, you'll actually see some, you know, rotting and, you know, fungal um, evidence on, on the fruit. Was anything like that on there? Um, not in a lot. A lot of them were just pretty sound, you know, like yeah. um, st- 
still hard because they they hadn't completely filled out. It's an emperor mandarine, and you know once they're ready to pick, the skin's really soft on them. And but they were only you know sort of half formed, and um, yeah, I never noticed any because that's what I was, I was thinking fruit fly, and and I don't know what I've got another emperor mandarine just a bit further down from it. It's only a two three year old and it's absolutely loaded and it hasn't dropped one piece of fruit you know yeah okay look the, uh, the other thing to do is uh to use some sulfate of potash and start building that up in the soil uh because right. it, it just generally makes for a, a stronger and more healthy plant in regards to fruiting and flowering yeah um, uh, so those you know elements that are you know holding the pl- you know the fruit on the tree they're always going to strengthen up so it's again it's something you have to um Pardon me, build up over time in the soil. Yeah, right. then I'll give that a go. Okay. And, I, uh, and look, the other thing is sometimes we just get it. Uh, you know, one season's really good, one season's really bad. Uh, you just uh, you just have to take it as it comes. Uh, if the plant's still healthy, the fruit look generally healthy. Um, just cross your fingers for next year and, and use some of those other methods. Yeah, well, this year I um, poured the chook manure and citrus fruit feed into it, and I poured the water into it you know i've got a uh litre water tank on the back of the shed and i just use that to water me fruit tree so i was giving them a really good root soaking thinking that um you know this year i'll get a bumper crop but i didn't <laughs> look, it sound, look sounds like you've been doing the right thing absolutely there robert um just hasn't quite worked out for you this year yeah uh, <laughs> i was you know at which end i thought oh, how you know what's going on but um, anyway, I'll do that. I'll put some potash into it and refeed it again come spring and we'll see where we go. Okay. It's, it's, like, it's like a bad haircut and I know about those. Always, something will always come good after you know, a little bit of time. Right, then. Thanks for that, Scott. Okay. Thanks, Robert. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, it's Gardening Talk back on 2 your RFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Helen from Walls Ends, and she's got a question about the fiddle leaf fig. Hello, Helen. How can we help? Uh, hi, Scott. Um, look, I was given a fiddle leaf fig in a pot a couple of months ago by my granddaughter. It's doing fine. It's a metre high, and it's just one single stem. Now, the ones that I see around shopping centres and that, they've all got this bushiness about them. Um, Someone said if I cut it right back, it would do that. Now, is that correct or not? Yeah, look, it certainly will. Wherever you prune it, you're going to get, uh, you know, new um, le- you know, new leaves and branches coming out from that spot. Uh, okay. So always just prune down just slightly above where one of the leaves are, uh, yep. just above, you know, where it's noting out, and then yep. you'll get it to split from there, and uh, you should get a really nice full plant. Okay, so can I do that now or maybe later on or can I do it in the winter or? Oh, look, I'd, I'd probably leave that at the moment. You're not going to get much growth if you prune it now. Okay. Uh, I'd wait till mid-August before you do that. Okay, appreciate that. Thank okay. you. Thanks for okay. that, Helen. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and RFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49 216 216. And we've got Kieran from Stockton. And, Scott, he's got a question about the orange tree. Kieran, how can we help, mate? Oh, g'day, Scott. How are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just, uh, I listen to your show all the time. Very much enjoy it, first of all. And look, uh, I've Thank got you. a navel orange tree, and it produces a beautiful fruit. Uh, it's quite an old tree. We've been here 20 years, and it was fully established then. Um, in the last year, although it's produced lovely, a lovely um, crop, 
it's lost a hell of a lot of foliage. And uh, each year I give it a light prune, cut out all the dead stuff and let a bit of light in. But, um, but I've never given it a heavy prune, but I've never seen it sort of lose so much foliage. And I just wondered um, why that may be and perhaps what I should do. The only thing I can put it to uh, down to this year is that it has been a very dry year. You're at Stockton, so very yes. sandy soil as well. Yes, very I, well done. Yeah, I'm thinking that might be why it's losing a little bit of uh, you know shine in its coat, um, so to speak, this year. Uh, look, certainly a heavy prune's not bad at all for a citrus uh, because if you leave them go, often the bark starts to get hard and it cracks, and that's when you get... Uh, you know, pest and disease getting in there. And you can see that around the trunk on a citrus tree quite often. Yes. Um, so giving the heavy prune is not a bad idea. What you need, though, if you're going to do that, is a product called Steriprune. Steriprune. Yeah, which is a sort of a tar-based paint. Uh, you can get it in a, uh, you know, an aerosol or you can get it in a little tin. And once you've made those prune, you know, those cuts uh, with your pruning, you actually just paint over that to seal off the end of the, uh, of the okay. branch so no pest and disease can get in there. Right. The other thing you can do is if there's any cracks around the bark of the tree, you can give it a paint and you know, sort of slap some on there as well just to seal it up to try and stop anything getting in there. Right, right. So steri-prune. Lisa, look, I've had so much advice on how you should prune it. People are saying, oh, it should be in the shape of a wine glass and all this sort of stuff. And uh, never having done a prune before, I just don't want to ruin the tree. Um, you know, should I seek a bit of a, additional advice on that um, from, from somebody who might know citrus? Uh, look, you, you certainly could do that. I don't think the general rule of forming, uh, you know, a slight wine glass in a uh, when you're pruning a plant is a bad idea. Now, the only reason I say that is because it's opening up the middle of the plant and allowing some airflow and light to get in there. Uh, if you're just giving a, you know, like a rounded, uh, you know, like almost a topiary style thing where you just run your shears or your, you know, your cutting implement around the the extremity, uh, the perimeter of the plant, the extremities. Yep. then you don't let, uh, you know, it starts to thicken up in there. You can get branches crossing over each other. Yep. Uh, and that's when you start to get, again, wear in the bark, pest and disease coming in. So trying right. to open up the middle of the plant is certainly not a bad idea. When you're doing roses, that's something you, um, you know, most certainly try and do. Um, so to try and do that with your citrus is not going to be a bad thing either. Right, right. Um, there's one other question. Oh, yes, timing. Timing, Scott. Yes. I, I mean, it's just... And just taking the last oranges off now, actually, I've, I've harvested in about three lots, um, but they're beautiful oranges. Uh, is there any particular time that's best to, to prune, or should you leave it sit uh, dormant for a little while once it's fruited? Uh, look, you can you can certainly uh, do that very soon if, if you're starting to get the last of your crop off there. Yeah. Uh, look, my rule of thumb might be to wait until, you know, sort of last week of July, uh, just when we know after that, you know, a couple of weeks after that, it's going to start warming up again. Right. Uh, so probably wait until then. Otherwise, you cut your tree and it's bare and nothing really happens. Uh, it just sits there. So uh, I'd, I'd wait until that last week of July. All right. And that sounds great. Okay. Thank you very much for the advice. Okay. Thanks for that, Kieran. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. I think we've got time for a couple more callers, Scott. And we've got Gavin from Soldiers Point. He's got a question about the avocado tree. Gavin, a very tasty fruit, the avocado. How can we help, mate? Yeah, g'day, Scott. Um, I'm, um, I bought a couple of avocado trees the other week and I'm just about to plant them. And, again, timing uh, is better to leave them for a couple more weeks or... Can I just plant them now? And also fertiliser. Uh, what are they? What sort of fertiliser 
to they like. Yeah, so look, at the moment, uh, you, you could plant if you wanted to. It's not going to grow, you know, too much um, with an avocado tree, considering we're getting towards the shortest, uh, you know, day of the year and into the middle of winter. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I might be concerned about is if you're going to, if you've kept them in a, uh, you know, a, a position at the moment that's quite protected and then you're about to go and put them out into a different spot that might be getting blasts of wind and cold, uh, I'd yeah. be concerned about doing that. Uh, but look, certainly, yes, you can plant at the moment. Not much is going to happen as far as your growth goes with the avocado. If you're planting it, you still have to water it, mate, as much as, uh, um, even though it's winter, yep. you still have to yep. water that plant just as much as it was in summer uh, because if it dries out, you'll you know drop all your leaves and you won't have a happy plant once you get to spring. Nah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, well, where they are at the moment, I mean, um, unfortunately, my house is on... Uh, the northern side of the block, so they're getting a southerly aspect. So they're uh, in the shade at the moment because there's much, not much sun in the yard at the moment. Yes. So uh, that also, uh, they do get a little bit of wind because um, the wind comes straight off Barrington Tops, straight down the harbour, and straight up an alleyway and straight into my front yard. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so yeah. it gets rather cool at this time of year. Yeah, the, um, the only other thing you can do is, you know, create some sort of barrier as well um, just to try and protect it from the, the southerly wind blasting on it. Yeah. Uh, you yeah know, the, right. cold, the cold's still going to settle, but, it, you know, you're just not getting that wind, um, you know, attacking the plant all the time when it's only, a, you know, a little baby plant and you've stuck it in the ground. Yeah, yeah, OK. All right, thank you, Scott. Okay. And, mate, as far as fertiliser goes, uh, look, you can use cow manure on your... Um, avocado but i wouldn't do it at least for you know four months after you've put it in the ground yep no worries okay have a good day okay you have a good afternoon gavin thanks for the call bye mate. Bye-bye. and we've got maria now from bulwara maria how can we help yeah hi scott i was wondering can i cut a pandanus tree sorry can you cut a pandanus tree Yes, it's like it's encroaching on all my other trees, and I wanted to see if I could trim it a bit more. Yes, you certainly can. It will uh, branch out from where you've trimmed it again. Um, but oh, okay. You certainly, so you've got a pandanus growing at Bolwara, have you? Yes. Yeah, fantastic. And it's so, a big one. It's an encroaching on my two dragon trees. Oh, wow. Wow, that sounds yeah. interesting. So, uh, <laughs> look, for, for, for Greg and, and listeners, a pandanus is a sort of spiky um, tree that gets these weird aerial roots. You mostly see them up around, you know, Noosa and the Sunshine Coast. Uh, they're, they're really yeah, quite. Right. They handle, you know, the, the full blast of the salt and sun, and they and being, you know, they virtually live in a sand dune. So that's why I was uh, hearing from you, Maria, that you're living up in Bolwara and you've got a pandanus in the cold up there. That sounds fantastic. Yes, absolutely. But I've, like, I can't find any information about how to cut a pandanus. Yeah, look, when you cut it, effectively where you cut it, you're just going to get new, uh, you know, those heads, those spiky heads poking forward back out of there. So you'll get a much thicker plant. Uh, You know, you won't get that that really long, lanky sort of, uh, you know, appearance that you've got at the moment. Right, okay. So can I also just cut those pups off as well? Yeah, you certainly can if you want to do that as well. So if you're, you know, your one comes out and it starts to look a bit, you know, odd for you, just uh, prune the back and uh, just leave one sort of uh, pup, or I guess we'll call them a pup. That's not a bad way to, to think about them. Just leave one pup coming out. That, that's not a... You can do that, certainly. Oh, okay. And then where I cut more, just keep coming 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like any plant that you're pruning, you'll always get a doubling, yeah, right. a doubling up oh, there. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it might be a bit okay. slow. It might be a bit slow to do that. Um, right. I might not do it at the moment as well. I'd certainly be waiting until it warms up in September. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, because any new growth that comes out is going to be, um, you know, even if it did, uh, would be exposed to the cold, and it, it certainly wouldn't like that. No, right. Oh, okay. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, not a problem at all. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Jesus, guarding talk back on to when you are at FM. It's Scott Sharp. We're nearly out of time for another week, but is there anything you'd like to throw just before we go? I thought we might just talk about the Ardesia crisper at the moment. It's out in flower as well. Okay, excellent. It's a really lovely little, a very dark evergreen shrub plant. doesn't get too tall, only about one metre, you know, 1.3 metres. But at the moment, the thing about it is it's got these red sort of holly-like berries coming out all over it. Uh, so it is very attractive. Um, likes a bit of shade to grow. Probably you know, will grow out in the full sun, but I'd say it likes a little bit of shade. And a uh, very easy plant to look after. Maybe talk more about that next week. Well, how about we do that? It's out, we're out of time. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Okay. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.